0: Hi there, welcome to the Your Purpose Podcast. I'm your host, Brian Horvath, and I'm grateful that you are here investing your time to listen today. The purpose each week of this podcast is to serve people like you and like me to know, live, and love the purpose we've all been created for. Each week as you listen, you're going to discover practical, emotional, and at times spiritual tools to help you know, live, and love your purpose. I'll be sharing for my life in an authentic, transparent, and genuine way as well as bringing on guests and experts who will share their fears, failures, challenges they had to overcome to succeed, to know, live, and love their purpose. I'm glad that you are here today, and I can't wait to hear from you about this episode. You ready? Let's do this. Hey, everybody. Brian here, and welcome to the podcast today. I'm so excited to have you on the On Purpose podcast, where we help people like me and people like you. To know, live, and love the purpose for your career and finances. And these shows we're doing now are about sound financial advice that you can count on from people that have hearts to serve. And so today on this show, I am fired up to have my good friend and actually my personal real estate agent, Ron Bazzetto, on the phone. And Ron's going to share with us through his expertise and experiences how not only he got started as being in the real estate industry, but how he served many, many customers over the years. And some tips and tricks and hacks and whatever you want to call it to help you be successful in all of your real estate dealings, both today and in the future. So, Ron Bazzetto, welcome to the show, my friend. Hi, Brian. Thanks for having me. Oh, you got it, man. Pleasure, uh, Pleasure and a privilege to have you. So, how did you get started in the industry and then start telling us a little bit about your journey to where you're at today?
1: Sure. So so I actually got started because uh, I had gotten married a few years before that, and my father-in-law was the broker and owner of a Remax franchise here in Wesley Chapel. And I just thought it would be an opportunity to kind of take the spare time that I had at that point uh, for the other career that I was working in and, uh, and dive into real estate and kind of make a little bit of money and start to put some money away and do some things like that. Well, in a very short amount of time, I wound up exceeding the income, the financial income that I was making for my full-time job in real estate. It just took off for me. I didn't even never saw myself as a salesperson. Still, don't necessarily refer to myself as one. But um, yeah, that's that's how I got
0: started. I love it. I love it. How many people have you served over the years? I mean, have you calculated that or any kind of dealings done? And I mean, you're an expert in the field. But I know a lot of times, too, you share with me experiences you've had and learnings you've had. How how has that been for you over the years uh, beyond uh, what you just told us?
1: You know, it, it's been an, an incredible journey, one that I would have not scripted at all and definitely a road that I did not see coming. I, I just kind of embraced the moment and went with it. And so uh, for, for me, uh, you know, probably 30, I probably do about 30 transactions a year uh, on average. Uh, some more, some less, just depending t- depending on what's happening. Um I, I guess I can't I have 17 years in real estate, so uh, enough people. I've done it a couple of times, let's just say that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's great. Now you you've yeah. served, I mean, you've served me and my wife on a sale and a purchase of a home, but hmm. you know, obviously over the years you've had the heart to serve. I remember sitting with you and and some things we were doing together to to serve people in, in the financial arena. But uh, you were just sharing with me how to even go about figuring out how much should I spend or how much could I spend. And that's back before I was married. So I know you've always had that heart to serve. Um, how do you think that's helped you and blessed you over the years, you being in business and real estate?
1: Well, I think it's helped ground me a little bit more, you know, because I, I have to practice what I preach. So if I'm telling other people that these are the things that I suggest that they do, and they're not the only way to do it, of course, there's there's plenty of ways to do this. but I'm just uh, nurturing people, helping people, advising people on what I've seen work. Uh, And so from that perspective, I I just really enjoy helping people. I don't like to see people being taken advantage of. Uh, We've seen those stories uh, far too often. So I just want to make sure people are treated fairly, equally, politely, respectfully, uh, and enjoy such a, a, as you know, such a fantastic moment as buying a, a house and doing the things that are associated with doing uh, uh, that kind of uh, that kind of function you know it should not be a labored task it should be an enjoyable one especially with uh with you and your wife and the, and the road that we went down so you can speak you know to it and from it from firsthand and, and just walk the journey with people it's exciting it's fun
0: yeah i love it man and i think um you know there's so many stories out there, like you said, that people have been taken advantage of, and it's unfortunate, but it doesn't have to be that way. So what I like to kind of help people with is like, there's top three things or top five things, you know, you kind of put a list or a a number together about things that people should look out for. So one of those things I think we should talk about in addition to the numbers of, uh, you know, steps people should take or not take, is tell me about a timeline. Give me like a, a kind of a cycle of, uh, what people should go to. So I'm. I, I want to buy my first home. Let's just start there. Let's say someone's a first-time home buyer. What are some things they should do in preparation for this life event?
1: Oh, good question, Brian. So, first-time home buyer, you want to you want to purchase a home. One of the first things you should do is kind of get your financial house in order. You really want to know where you stand. You 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 want to know what kind of money you can afford. Where, what have you saved? And, and ultimately, there's two things you can do. You can do them simultaneously. One is have a conversation with a trusted real estate professional, a realtor. And by that, that realtor, that agent can help guide you in what you need to do uh, to be able to accomplish that goal. Ultimately, you're going to need to talk to a mortgage broker or a mortgage lender to have that personal and confidential conversation to see where you are and if you're able to obtain a loan to purchase a home and absolutely what that, that value might be, what's, what's the maximum you would be able to uh, obtain a loan? That's not what you have to spend,
0: but what's your budget? What works Mm -hmm. in your budget? I love it. Okay. So once somebody has taken those initial steps, so they've done their due diligence, let's say, right. They've had the conversation if they are indeed married or with a partner, they've they've had that conversation at home. Then Mm -hmm. they start shopping for what they could qualify for. Right. Correct. Yes. Okay. And so after that, what? how do they interface with you? How would they find someone like you? What are those steps they take to get to you? Or what are those steps that you take to get to them to know that you're the right person to be on their team as they take on this big life event?
1: Right. So so as you know, Brian, I, I work primarily by referral. And so the, the clients that I get to serve are from referred to me from people like you and others. And so that's such a blessing and a compliment in itself. But one of the first things when they do find me, uh, internet, uh, phone calls from relationships and so forth is we want to sit down face to face, knee to knee, and mm. we want to find out what they need, what they're looking for. I need to pull out of them what it is, what their picture is of the house that they're going to walk into one day. And I, I need to have, uh, sometimes a frank conversation with them and help them understand that, uh, uh. Things they're going to have to expect, changes they might want to make. Uh, does new construction work better for them versus uh, a resale home? What area of town does it work? How that will influence uh, how much money they spend? Uh, schools, how important are schools to them? Do they have children uh, of school age? Uh, where, they, where do they work? How close to the interstate or, or major roadways do they need to be? How far away do they wanna stay from work? So all these things start to factor in. So we just kinda of go down that list item after item. And it's about listening as much as it is about talking to see, okay, where are we gonna go? What are we gonna do? What kind of house are you looking for? Cause there's many different varieties and styles. It all just plays into the big picture. This way from the beginning, I can begin to, as their agent. I can begin to show them exactly or very close to what they want, what they're looking for and not something, a style of home, a location that just doesn't suit them.
0: That's great. So is there somewhat of like a mental checklist or is there a kind of like a checklist you take them through on paper? Like what, what does that look like or, or whatnot? So,
1: so the old way, yes, I, I used to do it on paper, honestly, but now it's just more conversational. So, you know, in tune to my, my mind of the question so it's not necessarily that number one answer this one number two answer this one or check this box it's just about listening to what they're looking for and that's really how the conversation starts is tell me about you tell me what you're looking for tell me about your goal you know where do you work things like that and and we take it from there and try to uh, hone in on what they're looking for
0: excellent so okay so let's, let's talk about kind of the asset they're looking to purchase right or the the what do you call it? Uh, The off the shelf purchase, if you will, for a can of soup. But when it comes to the store, they should shop through to get that can of soup. I kind of think about the real estate agent, real estate agent. Why would they choose or what should things should a potential borrower look for when they're choosing this agent, this person to walk alongside them?
1: Well, today, unlike 17 years ago, when I started today, there's so many things online that you can find out about people, but you really want to interview a couple of agents. It's not uncommon for you to, it shouldn't be uncommon for you to talk to one, two, three agents to find out if that person's a fit for sure. And some agents like to for you to sign a commitment form with them, uh, exclusive right to work with them. And I wouldn't suggest that, nor do I do that or profess that, because if I don't do the job that I profess to do, I, they might decide that they want to move on. Other agents want are, are looking more about their commission rather than the individual or individuals, the couple at that point, and serving them rather than their own house. So, being relational is is super important with that.
0: Okay, that's great. I think. Have you ever seen a, a couple or uh, getting a fist fight in front of you with regards to not agreeing on uh, who they should go with or how they should go forward?
1: No, no, not <laughs> fist fight for sure. <laughs> but 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 there can be some heated discussions sometimes. Uh, <laughs> you know, show them property and what they want and what, where they don't see eye to eye necessarily on what they want and where they want to live. But okay. no, nope, hasn't come to blows yet.
0: Now I've heard, I've heard you brought up some rock'em sock'em robots before with people. Is that true? Or is that not you? Maybe that was somebody else.
1: No, that may have been somebody else. I, I like the boxing gloves approach personally.
0: Okay. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> That's great, man. So tell me about somebody that you may have even coached out of a home before. So like saying, hey, I'm coming to you. I got this. I got this in mind. They did all my due diligence. At least I think they did or something. They got this laser focused idea. Mm-hmm. And you're going like, ooh, this they're, they're missing a key element here or a piece of the equation or puzzle. Have mm-hmm. you done that before? And what did that look like? And and how did you redirect them? Or maybe tell me, go back to the drawing board.
1: Yeah. So I think I think what you're asking me is one of the things that I have uh, as a bonus to me is uh, in, in my late teens and early 20s. I was able to spend time working in construction. And so that background in that area is mm. has been pivotal and so valuable for me from my approach with helping people see past the bling and the paint and the carpet. We look deeper, we dive deeper. And so it's, sometimes they get caught up in that a buyer, we all do, right? We, we walk into a, a car dealership or, or, or a store and we're looking at the bling, but we forget to kind of look under the hood sometimes. To make sure that there's an engineer there and what kind of engine is there in a car and so with the with the house the same kind of similar approach you know some of the bigger ticket items we want to make sure that we point out to that person um, we look for foundation cracks mm. uh, things like that that might be telltale signs of a sinkhole issue we want to make sure the roof is solid and watertight how old is the roof the air conditioning systems, the hot water heater uh, ultimately that the potential buyer is going to get the home inspected, but rather than even get to the point of spending that money, if there's some things that are are right there, red flags, obvious red flags showing it to that buyer, it it usually is pretty easy for them to walk away from it. Disappointed of course, but they do walk away from it because the signs are obvious. It just makes sense.
0: Yeah, that's great. Now, how about if somebody is, um, you know, they're asking the question, Man, there's so many options out there for me, so many things to process and, and be concerned with. How would you direct someone to a particular way of going new home construction versus resale? Is there a, is there a path you kind of take them down or is that, you know, how, how does that look? And, or what are the pros and cons, I guess I should say, of both? Maybe that's the way to ask the question. Uh,
1: well, you know, new construction, you're looking at probably uh, a, a little higher of a price point than where you might be looking at a resale new construction is going to have its benefits of warranty um, but it also will come at a cost of a community development district added taxes to your your annual tax bill on top of your property taxes Um, community developments or or new construction often come with uh, pool areas and community centers and so forth so and they're usually, as you know, I mean, as th- as we grow, as you get into that new construction, how big is this community? How long do you plan on staying there, as well? Are you are you okay with putting up with the the daily noise at least for for a season mm-hmm. of mm-hmm. houses being built all around you? So new construction has its benefits for sure. Um, the resales uh, typically the the, re- the builder is not flexible, as flexible as can be in a resale there can tend to be more value in a resale and also location matters. I mean, if you wanna be in uh, South Tampa, very difficult to find uh, new construction. They, they are doing it on some streets, but it's very difficult to find something new. It's, you're living a lifestyle, it's a, it's a difference there. Um, so for, for resales, uh, similar benefits, because most of them are community development district areas that have those benefits that I just mentioned. Uh, but it really is up to the individual, maybe they're just tired of uh, of something else they want brand new they want to walk in and smell that house uh, <laughs> that was just built you know the, i mean that's what that's what I did personally years ago is we we decided to build a house of our own and and there's something about that too that process of, gr- of watching it build and 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 growing from the ground up as well
0: yeah, it's good. so for folks that maybe aren't in the Tampa area what you know I, when you say the South Tampa it's more of a uh, kind of a around the water a tighter infrastructure but uh just like you said i think a lifestyle you know you're looking for Correct. availability right to maybe walk to the grocery store or have a couple of shops or restaurants nearby um the, the proximity and the feel of that and sometimes right even for resale is going you're targeting a school district right it's like hey I, there is not There's- any new home construction next to xyz high school mm-hmm. um, very much so okay.
1: because of your because of your child needing a maybe having special needs or needs to be a part of and participate in a special program uh, often too, that uh, folks, even though they may want to move, they want to, they move and they stay within the same uh, school district, as you said, and therefore it it does limit you. So yeah. we talked
0: about, you know, buying a home and what that's like in that timeline for for a buyer, you know, doing the due diligence, figuring out what they could qualify for if they're going to do indeed uh, fund it through uh, a loan you know, different checking the boxes. You of course have the conversation with them when it comes to selling, what, talk to me about what it may look like uh, from a couple or an individual selling a home. And what are those first initial steps maybe even after they decided to sell or what may even cause them to sell, then what do they do next and how do they find you and how do you walk them through that process?
1: Sure. So, so one of the things they want to do is uh, once somebody, uh, I do have a conversation with somebody and I get some information about them and and what their house may look like, and I'll do my homework at that for, at that point, and look for comparable sales, and try to come up with that window of value for them. Uh, often, I like to go and meet. We'll go and meet with them anyway, and we'll sit down. We'll walk around their house. We we'll have a great conversation. Got to remember that this is very personal to them. Mm, uh, they may have been there for a long time, and and uh, selling a, a a family home. Just recently, uh, I actually sold a, a home of a of a woman who's been there since the early 80s it's a lifetime long home her husband happened to pass and it's a connection she did not want to sell Knows she has to sell she's it's too much for her to take care of. but there still is a connection there and so you have to remember that often when you're talking with sellers um and so we just talk about what they've done to the house and, uh, you know, what they're looking to do, what their plans are. Uh, are they staying in the area? Are they being relocated for a job?
0: Uh, yeah. So talking about that, why it's so important to understand that selling a home for someone is a personal endeavor and how do you walk that out with them?
1: Yeah. So, so from the beginning, you, you just want to sit down and you just want to listen, um, you know, listen twice as much as, uh, as you talk. They, they have to get past that emotional bond and attachment to the house. In a lot of cases, not all, uh, but a lot of cases, they need to get past that. They've raised their kids there. They're they're grown and gone and they're off to college and so forth. They need to downsize job change. And so you have to make sure that you're very sensitive to, to that with them. Uh, especially when you start walking around the house and you know, you wouldn't want to talk bad about somebody's house and say, oh, this is this is super old and a little dated. There's delicate ways to be mm. able to to phrase and frame that uh to, to not offend them. Because I guess clearly if you're going to offend them and hurt their feelings, why would they hire <laughs> you to represent them and be their agent? You know, first thing out of your mouth is is the wrong thing, well then then they might have to think twice about it. But the other most important thing too that I find is uh, a lot of realtors don't do what I'll say is their job. And let me explain what I mean. A lot of agents want to go in and allow the that that seller in my example to control everything. Now they are in charge. It's their house, it's their rules, it's their ways, but they're hiring you as a professional. Mm, you great. have sold the, me, I have sold the a lot of houses, okay? So I've done this a couple of times and even though they may have through their lifetimes, each each transaction is unique and different. And so there's a value to hiring a real estate agent to walk that walk with you, to make sure that you are protected, do the things you're supposed to do, disclose what you need to disclose and, and honestly, somebody to negotiate and fight for you. When you hire an agent, you're hiring a negotiator, number one, and a marketer, number two. That's
0: what you're hiring and you're looking for somebody you can bond with and have a relationship with in the end. So would you say a negotiator, negotiator plus a marketer multiplied by the ability to relate equals a successful, probably successful transaction upcoming for that person? I love it. I just said that, didn't I? You did. I just want to make sure I heard you well. See, I've been listening <laughs> two times the amount. I just want to put it in a formula, something I can, can frame and remember. So... um what okay, so here's here's some of the like the brass tacks of it all. You know, it's obviously a huge financial um, burden sometimes for someone to needs to sell. It's also a tradition, a tremendous financial um, opportunity for somebody who's looking to buy, and of course both sides really. Um, what is something that if you could, if you could list top three things that somebody should know, or th- to- Ron's top two suggestions for money management before they go. To get that mortgage, what might that be? And I know you're not the mortgage um, broker or agent or whatever you want to call it, but you are somebody mm-hmm. that obviously wants to work with the people that have done their homework. What are three things that you would tell them to get prepared for this this endeavor on the on the purchase side?
1: So, if you're going to apply for a mortgage, you want to do your homework. There, internet is makes that super easy, and you want to determine whether or not it is you want a mortgage broker or a mortgage banker to help you. The difference is a mortgage banker is committed to that sole one institution, uh, your Bank of America, your Iberia banks, and so forth. They work within that bank. A mortgage broker tends to have more flexibility and works outside, not only with those banks, but with other Resources and places, and and probably some mo- one of the persons that people will go to that may not have the best of credit scores. So credit is number one that does matter and that is important. So you should know where you are with your with your credit score. You should pull that often anyway, just to make sure that there is nothing on your credit that would stop you from. Uh, buying a house that you are not a victim of fraud or a scam in some way that you weren't aware. Mm-hmm. So you should be monitoring your credit anyway, on a reasonable daily basis, twice a year, at least don't let it get too far away. Uh, have a conversation with that lender at that point. Once you choose one, uh, I, I have some lenders that I prefer and recommend that I've worked over the years with, and there's some that I have had experience with, with unfortunately that I I can't recommend mm-hmm. uh, major companies out there. So, so that does matter too, because initially you're buying into that lender is going to be that relationship with you. Ultimately, your loan is going to be be sold anyway, probably to a, a third party or to a bank and so forth. But you need that relationship up front. You need somebody fighting for you to walk you through that because it is it is a little difficult. So you're going to have to get a bunch of paperwork together, tax returns, W twos. Our income assets, and so forth, and that's that personal conversation you need to have with that mortgage broker from the beginning to determine exactly what it is um, that you're trying to qualify for an amount you're trying to qualify for before you go shopping you You want to provide that information upfront and as soon as possible rather than do what's called a pre-approval pre i just talked about that's pre-approval pre-qualify is the other one pre-qualify you can just have a simple conversation with somebody over the phone who can basically pre-qualify you based off of what you tell them that you have not backed up yet in documentation. And you can then go out shopping and then find out later that you don't qualify for $300,000. You only qualify for $200,000, $250,000. And then therefore, had you gone out with a a real estate professional at that point and seen houses and fallen in love with something you are you can't buy in the end. And so you have to step back, unfortunately. And that gets very difficult because now you are always thinking and comparing what you are looking at in your price point to the house that you fell in love with. And it's, it's extremely hard to satisfy you. So getting pre-approved first is the first step, the key step, before you even start shopping.
0: So, just to re- repeat kind of what you said so, prequal is kind of that conversation. It's a little loose, right? It's not backed up by data or information or numbers, but it kind of picks, paints the picture for someone that could help you understand what you may be able to do, right? That's correct. And then pre approval is actually documentation submitted, kind of a letter back saying, hey, you know, you can show this to a real estate agent to know where you might want to go or where you can go so you're not wasting anyone's time, including yourself. And of course, you, you let yourself down. and, and then you go out into the market and really kind of start nailing targeting and, and narrowing down the target. Would that be an accurate way? Correct. Correct. Yes,
1: because you're already pushing by <clears throat> providing that documentation, you're already moving through some of the steps of the mortgage process. Ultimately, you have to provide it anyway right? Uh, to get approved. So why not provide it up front so that if you start to get those things in order, in line, and you're able to quickly provide them to that mortgage uh, professional, then you're gonna move through the approval process that much faster
0: and thus I think it, it would make sense for those listening that you know having these things together ahead of time for any kind of major um life events financially is important so um, for me, I just have a little box here with different folders um and uh they're all marked and labeled so if the wife needs to get old or myself they're there and of course I have that duplicated digitally too where it makes sense so just a little tip side tip there to help get this going down the right path. Um, So Ron, talk to me about too, like when it comes to building a new home and there's all these benefits or bonuses, if you will, incentives with the the builder to use their bank. um, How how does that work? And is there anything we should know about that? Or is it pretty straightforward?
1: Uh, It's pretty straightforward, but uh... A builder is going to require you to use their bank first. And in some cases, if you don't qualify with their lender, they will let you go outside. But they're, they're, the builder is looking from every avenue to make money on you. So the <laughs> bank that you're using, they're making money that, to the title company that closes the transaction. They are making money. Um, they they offer you some incentives to go with them. Uh, they may offer to pay a majority of your closing costs, $5,000, $10,000 of closing costs. However, with new construction, there are some expenses that are customary for a seller than the builder to that would normally be paid by a resale in a resale situation by a seller that the builder does not pay intangible taxes for example, and there are several thousand thousands of dollars that are go unaccounted for if you don't know that so then you get to the end of the the uh, end of the road, you've had this big baby, you've watched it, you know, grow and get built and you wind up getting to this closing table and you're looking at this piece of paper and say, (laughs) what's this $2,500 for? So we really want to make sure with new construction, especially you want to make sure that you understand that builders, agents, the agents that are working for the builders are great professionals. However, you have to remember they work for the builder. And so as a buyer with new construction or a buyer in the market period, Working with a real estate professional doesn't cost you anything, but at least you have an advocate, somebody yes. who can fight for you in that moment in that market. And we've done that time and time again. And Brian, you and I have that that story about things that ha- <laughs> you know happen even when you built, right? Oh, I can remember. <laughs> um, when, you know, when it comes to a, a problem with an item, you have somebody there, or are you just going to listen to the builder and say, "I'm sorry, there's nothing I can do for you," and then you're going to have to kind of take that. Yeah. So hi, get in touch with a realtor, a professional to be able to walk through that process. It doesn't cost a thing.
0: That's funny. I can visually remember walking through our home that I'm currently recording this uh, with you in and going, yep, that's not good enough. And, uh, right. you know, got you on the phone and uh, there wasn't boxing gloves because we were all on phone calls, but there was definitely some, that uh, was the most heated it had gotten throughout the months of the process of the build and to have you on the phone. Um, to calm the situation down, but also be unemotionally attached was a, was a blessing. And so, is that called a buyer's agent? What? How, that's where I get confused in in the past. How, help us can, unconfuse this. What? Give us some of this terminology. Seller's agent, buyer's agent, is that the same? What What do these terms mean? They can be.
1: They're used interchangeably. Uh, realtor, Realtor professional, real estate professional. There's so many interchanging. Hmm. So who's working for who basically. So if it's a buyer's agent, it's a buyer's agent. It's the builder's agent. It's the listing agent. The listing agent is the the one who has the for sale sign in the yard. The buyer's agent is the one that brings the buyer to the house and shows it to them.
0: Yeah, that's good. <laughs> um, I just think again, that first time home buyer um, can be like, whoa, my head's spinning. All I wanted to do was find a bedroom that was bigger than my last one. And you got me talking all this language. So very well done and um, really appreciate that clarity. So, you know, as we kind of get to the back half of this this conversation, um, tell me about the time when, you know, you kind of really work with someone and you just told them to hold off. You know, is there some of those times that maybe hey, renting isn't, you know, renting has that myth of being bad, taboo, you know, let me get the garlic and the crosses out and hold back the, the you know, the Dracula kind of thing what is it why is it good to rent at least for a time and and what does that situation look like firstly for those first time home buyers yes
1: yeah, so, so they're really to an extent there's nothing wrong with renting you have to be ready to buy so where are you in the seasons of your life the time of of your life are you uh, transient are you going to be uh, probably moving are you hunting for a job in that moment where you're renting something looking for a job and maybe that job that career is going to take you out of the area that you're you're currently in and therefore buying a house where you think you were going to buy may not be feasible that you would basically be spending money and then having to resell that house or playing a landlord becoming a landlord and not becoming a a, a landlord tenant issue um, and not that we would recommend that always, but, uh, you, you would want to be sure that you're grounded and you have good purpose and direction. So there really is nothing wrong with renting. Uh, other reasons why you have to rent is you need to save for down payments. You need Mm -hmm. to get financial houses in order. Um, you need to get your credit, uh, increased and improved, uh, the lower the credit score, the more an interest that you're
0: likely to pay. So how does that affect your financial status moving forward? That's great. So a lot of things to consider. Awesome. Ryan, you're, you're a great leader and, and a friend and you have that heart to serve a couple more questions. And these are more about you. And then I want to get some final thoughts and then uh, connect people with how they can find you out there. Um, Cause I consider this a, a, a word of mouth, if you will, way to do it. Um, since the crisis of 2008 and as the time of this recording, we're in this COVID crisis and things are changing, but let's just talk about the crisis of 2008. What, what did consumers do you believe learned from that time and how has it affected what's going on today? And, you know, what, what have you seen? Cause you've been, you've been in the business that long. What, what's, what, what did mm-hmm. people learn or what didn't they learn even from that crisis almost uh, 12 years later or 12 years later, almost.
1: I think initially they, they learned a lesson, I think, but a lot of people have kind of fallen back into that rut again uh, what we've learned from from that time uh, was and, and the real estate market, it it just collapsed pretty much immediately out of the blue, out of nowhere. Nobody could have predicted it. And so people were overextending themselves financially. First mistake, don't be house poor in the end. Like I reiterate that with all, all of the clients that I work with. Don't be house poor. Work within a budget and, and figure out what you can afford. And that's where you have to kind of stick for the most part. So now we're finding people are going back into and pulling a little more equity out of their houses again, kind of what they were doing back in the o two o three o four era when the real estate market was booming. Um, and there's a time and a place for everything, for sure. But hopefully, people have learned to uh, to not overspend, to live within their means, to enjoy what they have, and not covet what somebody else may have or don't have. Um, Personally, I wish I had a third car garage in a hmm. house that I built. I only built a two-car garage, and so it's kind of the running joke since we built our home that that you know we we don't want to make that third car garage mistake <laughs> in some of the things that we do. You know, That's we reference good. it that way, but we know what we're talking about. <laughs> You know, so for $5,000, I could have had a third car garage. <laughs> Instead, I nixed it because I tried to save $5,000. And where's all the stuff that I've got to store now, right? In <laughs> storage unit. Yeah. So so um, hopefully, the, you know, the the economy has been fantastic for, you know, for a number of years now. And so it is thriving. Interest rates continue to be low. And so we just hope that people are just using good judgment and common sense in their approach to purchasing a home. You know, one of the other things that I ask, Brian, is is that I ask a client, buyer or seller, for permission to speak to them honestly. I ask them for that upfront because I, I, I don't want to feel necessarily uncomfortable about what I say uh, to them. I want to talk to them like they're my aunt and uncle, my brother, sister. Uh, that's the approach that I want to take with them. And so hopefully that's the relationship that can get built Because you're going to say it right and delicately, but I don't want to have to hold back Mm -hmm. something that I feel from my experience. I don't want to have to necessarily hold back that. I need to share that with them. They need to be aware of that. I need to over-communicate with them to an extent so that before they spend $200,000 or half a million dollars, they are completely informed when they sit down at the end of the day and sign a piece of paper and buy a house.
0: That's really good. I like that a lot because you, you know, if something doesn't go right or wrong or, 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 as well as someone thinks or thought of, then, you know, you pulled out all the stops, right. Yeah. That you, you brought up that conversation. Ultimately it's their choice, right. Back to the choice thing. It's as much as people want to pass blame today. And of course, since the beginning of history, it still knows you got that out there in the open wide open that ultimately it leaves it up to them. And uh, you said what you could and did and right. should very nice. So, okay, a couple of things um, to finish up is one, if you could go back in time, this is something I ask every podcast guest, if you can go back in time and coach yourself, Ron on money management, what advice would you have given or would you give?
1: <laughs> if I could go back in time and coach myself, I would have done uh, a few things that come to mind. One, <laughs> Only twenty, right, not thirty. You know, the, 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 I wish the wisdom would have been passed down back then, like it is being done today. I, I've done that with with our two boys. We've done that with our two boys. So I would have absolutely saved better, uh, a little wiser, and done without and sacrificed. Tried to exercise. I wish I would have exercised more self control instead of having that urge to splurge, and instead and have that urge to save <laughs> instead. You know. Uh, I wish I would have been a more intuitive to where my money was going, and not just be so uh, swipe at my at that time. Maybe swipe a credit card or even a debit card, or just throw the cash down because it's in the bank. That's not necessarily the right approach to it. So the budget, as you know, having a budget, having a plan, and uh, having some direction uh, would make a fantastic difference. And. Probably the most important thing I wish I would have invested in myself, my retirement, my future in my 20s, early 30s. It would have probably made things a little easier on me as, as I uh, get closer to retirement.
0: Hey, thanks for the transparent yeah. answer. I think um, I just love how you said the urge to yeah. splurge thing. I don't think well, I've heard that before. Um, I love sp- I love spending money. Don't myself, we all? You know, right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Seriously. Um <laughs> that's good man um so what finance leadership or career book would you recommend to someone who asked you for one today if there's something you could pull off the shelf and give pick someone, a dave Ramsey book pick any total money makeover okay. financial
1: peace i'd start probably in financial peace book right there uh the way dave breaks it down yeah. Okay. Um, I, I, I participated in that class as a student. As you know, I've taught the class for years. We, you and I have taught that class for years together in a group setting, fantastic time. And what a way to learn how to do something is through teaching it. And to listen to the stories yeah. of other people in confidence tell you about the struggles and challenges that they have made and had, uh, and basically what not to do and how to learn from something.
0: Great stuff. Well said. So as we wrap up this on purpose podcast with Brian Horvath and Ron Bazzetto, any final thoughts that you would want to impart to our guests or, or folks listening about um, the real estate game, you know, for, for, for on the personal level selling or purchasing um, what would you say? Is there anything there you want to say to Yeah, to absolutely, up?
1: Brian, thank you. So uh, one thing is, you know, with the internet out there today, information is pretty much at your fingertips. Uh, pick your phone, pick your laptop, wherever you might be. However, the information isn't always accurate. There's places, there's uh, websites that you'll go to that will tell you one thing that isn't, that isn't correct and accurate. Uh, the value of a home that is uh on your tech collectors website or on Zillow, for example, is not the value of your home because of factors that it does not take into consideration. That is a snapshot mm-hmm. in time. That is not a flow of the market. Okay, so, so I would just encourage people to, uh, to talk with a real estate professional. Get some solid comparable most recent three months, six month sales in your community, in your area. And, uh, and build a sales price from that. Don't overprice your home. It only gets market warning and you wind up losing more money. Uh, the, the value mm. of a real estate agent, whether buying or selling, is incredible. You wouldn't go to court without an attorney under the wrong circumstances, right? <laughs> so why should you mm. take something that is of several hundreds of thousands of dollars and basically you might as well just go online and day trade? With no experience at that point, you need somebody that's fighting for you, that understands the do's and don'ts, knows the roads, knows the routes, and how to overcome obstacles. And that is one of the value, and knows the law for the most part. That is the value of a real estate professional. So get engaged, get connected with somebody, uh, and find somebody that's a fit. And, uh, and like I said a little earlier, use a real estate agent when you're purchasing new construction. Uh, there's great value to them there. They'll fight for you and be an advocate for you. Because what you don't know, you don't know, especially if you've only been down that road
0: once. All right. That's great. That's great. I I really appreciate it. And so, Ron, you've been a blessing today. I got two pages of notes here that I've been taking and um, things I've learned that I didn't have context for before. And I really appreciate your time and, and investment into people as well as myself, and you're you're awesome. So how can folks find you so they get more of this awesome? I mean, social media, web, what, where do they look you up? Where do they go to to get connected with you? So we're
1: absolutely you? on social media, of course. You can find us on Facebook at Team Bizetto. And you can also find us at teambazetto.com. That's B-U-Z-Z-E-T-T-O. Uh, text message and a phone call is always great too, Then preferred. Love to talk to you personally. And you can find me at 813- two, four, five, six, five, three, one. Call me at any time.
0: Awesome, brother. Hey, thanks. Blessings to you and Melissa, and uh, really appreciate you being a guest. Hey, you thanks rock. for having me, Brian. It's been an honor and a privilege. Love you. You got it. Love you too. So this is Brian Horvath wrapping up with Ron Bezzetto. Thank you so much for listening and go ahead and put your comments in the bottom. I'd love to hear what you thought about this and any other questions. Again, Ron has a heart of a teacher. Him and his team would love to serve you. With the needs that you have, even if you're not fully ready to pull the trigger on a purchase or a sale, they can help you walk that that way as, as he did for me. So great having you, Ron. Love Thanks. you, man. Well, we just got a chance to hear from Ron Bezzetto and an interview I had with him about the ins and outs of real estate and how to buy or sell a home. Um, and I just loved how it was easy to understand. Ron is a swell guy and is a heart of a teacher and really wants to come alongside people in a major life event and investment such as buying or selling a home. So I hope you got as much value out of that as I did. And hey, one of the things I was thinking about, if you really would like to own a home in the future and you don't feel like you're quite up to par with your finances just yet, one of the ways you can get up to par and get ready to interview a real estate agent or someone like a Ron Bozzetto is enroll in my seven ways in seven days to change your financial future course. And I'll be loading that course up ready for launch here in the next couple of weeks or so. So go ahead and get on the waiting list or get on the notification list list of when you can purchase the course and um, really get moving in the way of seven ways in seven days so that your financial future can be changed. So it be put in a prime position ready and able to purchase uh, either your first home or a new home for you and your family. Seven ways and seven days to change your financial future. You can get on that list at seven ways sevenways-sevendays.com. Again, hope you enjoyed the podcast and have a blessed, blessed day.